Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am your hostess, Pat Rulo. We bring you hand-selected hosts, podcasts, and talk radio programming with listening options, 24-7 streaming, or listen on demand. We also feature one-on-one segments with important guests, people who have something to say that you need to hear. And if you have something to say and would like to be featured on the network, please visit speakuptalkradio.com for all of the details or contact us at pr at speakuptalkradio.com. Well, today I am so pleased to share a returning guest author with you. She is Anita Dickison. Anita is a retired Dallas police officer and served as a patrol officer, undercover narcotics officer, Dallas SWAT tactical officer and sniper, and advanced accident investigator. Upon retirement, she embarked on a new career, author and publishing consultant. Her first book, JFK Assassination Eyewitness, Rush to Conspiracy, The Real Facts of Lee Bowers' Death, was nonfiction. Bowers was a key witness to President Kennedy's assassination and died in a car crash in 1966. Conspiracy theorists have claimed that Bowers was murdered because of what he saw the day Kennedy was shot. And Anita then reconstructed the accident and the book details her research and conclusions. And we talked about that in our first interview. Her fictional works are suspense thrillers. Her plots are based on her extensive law enforcement knowledge and experience characters with unexpected skills that extra edge for overcoming danger and adversity have always intrigued her. Adding an infatuation with ancient myths and legends of Native American Indians and Scottish and Irish folklore creates the backdrop for her characters. Her debut fiction novel, Sentinels of the Night, set up an elite team of FBI agents, codename Trackers. Each have an extra edge, an ability that defies reason or logic. Then Going Gone is the second in the Tracker novels, and AU79 is the latest release, and that is the book we are going to talk about today. So let's get started. Welcome back, Anita. Well, thank you so much. I am absolutely delighted to be here again. Oh, and I am honored that you would choose to come back. So we're on a good page together. Just as a refresher for those that perhaps may not have heard the first interview, you went from police work to accident reconstruction to being an accidental writer, actually, when you were challenged or you challenged yourself to write 500 words. Just take us on that journey so folks can know how you got from a Dallas police officer to where we are today. Well, it was an interesting little path that kind of took some unusual twists and turns to get me where I'm at today. But originally, uh, when I retired, I started my own accident reconstruction business. And I was contacted by a film company, and I'll make this short, but they were wanting to air a segment about Lee Bowers, the the witness to the Kennedy assassination. He was in the uh, railroad tower that overlooked Dealey Plaza, and they were starting a new reality TV series. And I got involved with that project, and it was so interesting that I ended up writing the book and doing the reconstruction. Had such a fun time with it that I thought, okay, this is something fun. <laughs> I may even like this more than, than handling accidents. Mm-hmm. So I came across a website, English uh, website. A guy does a short story contest every month. He puts up a picture, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to try it. So I wrote a 500-word uh, story, submitted it to the contest, and much to my surprise and amazement, I won third place. Mm-hmm. And that was all it took. I was hooked. <laughs> 
Isn't that fun how things happen? And now you are seriously immersed in the writing world, which we'll talk about. Oh, Lord, (laughs) yes. I love that. Now your newest book, AU79. I was guessing that gold is the element, uh, the symbol for AU, and 79 Mm -hmm. is the atomic number, if I remember my uh, my Mm -hmm. high school classes correctly. So that's the title. Why is that the title of the book? I have found already... In the short time that the book has been out, it was the ebook was released on May the fifth. Is that the title itself has already kind of created a bit of mystique? I hadn't anticipated that, but some of the early reviews and comments that are coming in have commented on that title. I'm not going to get into a whole lot of detail on it because I kind of want to keep that mystique going. But I will say this: in 2015, the Texas State Legislature enacted a new piece of legislation that set in motion a series of events. And my book is based on that piece of legislation. At the very end of the book, I have added an addendum, the story behind the fiction, with even a quote from the governor of Texas that signed that bill. And so that's how the whole kind of plot evolved. Yeah, I think I kind of want to keep the mystique on, you know, how does that play into this whole thing? Keep it going. All right. All right. So I think we did a good job of piquing folks' interest. (laughs) Before we get a peek into the book, what prompted you then to write this? Why did this hit you as an interesting topic to uh, explore? It was something unusual. You know, the fact that it, it is a, something that will be happening, I don't know, it just kind of grabbed my attention when I started reading the articles about what was going on, and I thought, this, I'd already started AU79, but I didn't have the title for it then, it was, it was no name at that point in time. <laughs> my, my inspiration for titles kind of comes as I go through the book, and I'll come across a phrase or something that will, will spark, ah, there's my title. It kind of changed course when I when I saw these articles and I thought this is this is what I need to write about. So I shifted gears from what the original intent of the book was was meant and went in the direction that I finally ended up with. But it it was a fun process. It was something new. You know, it's not your typical serial killers or you know kidnappings. This has a bizarre twist to it. A very bizarre twist. <laughs> Can you give us a little insight? Don't give us any spoilers, but maybe just the general overview of the book. All right. It takes place in Texas. That seems to be pretty much my comfort zone. I know Texas. And again, it involves the tracker team. In this case, uh, an agent, ATF agent in Laredo has disappeared. And when that investigation kind of goes nowhere, then FBI cracker Adrian Diller is sent to Texas along with Cat Morgan. And Cat was a character from the Sentinels of the Night, the primary character in that. And they're, they're sent to Texas to figure out why. And they meet a lot of resistance along the way uh, in this investigation. And a lot of it's coming from the local agents, and they don't quite understand that. But uh, what they ultimately uncover is a link that ties back to the two largest Texas universities, Texas A&M University and the University of Texas. And so that's what this whole premise is about, is 
what links those two universities to the disappearance of this ATF agent. And as they progress through this, the suspicion begins to arise that is the agent actually an unwitting victim or is he the deadly mastermind behind all of this? So there's, there's a lot of suspense to it. There's a lot of multiple points of view shifting from what's going on in Washington, D.C. and back. Homeland Security gets brought into it. The president gets brought into it. There's a high-level meeting at the White House that um, adds to the conflict and the interest, you might say. So there's a lot that goes on in the book. I do multiple points of view, mm-hmm. and it kind of reads like shifting scenes in a movie. It's kind of what it's all about. So this is right up your alley, just the whole investigative uh, side of it, but you're taking it to another level. Plus, it, you know, it is fictional, but it is somewhat based on fact. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, the plot and the characters are fictional, but the basic premise of the story mm-hmm. is fact. Interesting. So how is it to write with these characters where you're bringing in some familiar ones from previous books and adding new people to the book? I am always fascinated by character development and what goes on in an author's process. They become real in your mind. They really do. You work with their dialogue, what their thought process is, and how are they perceiving something and, and they, they have a tendency to become a little bit real. You start thinking of them, you know, even though they're characters, they, they kind of get a life of their own, you might say. It's fun. For me, it's the, the most enjoyable aspect of writing a book is dealing with those characters. And in this particular book, I started out with a character. He was a reporter, and he was supposed to be just a, an absolute annoyance. And as I went through the process, he started taking on this life quote that I'm referring to. And I ended up with him doing a lot more than what I had originally intended. He was a very interesting character. And I think of all the characters in the book, he turned out to be my very favorite because he he just was a regular pain in the ass to everybody. (laughs) You're funny. <laughs> well, but anyway, yeah, he was a fun character. But the character development for me is, is one of the, the more enjoyable things. And I like bringing in new elements and new people and mm-hmm. being able to carry it forward. And you talked about dialogue. So as you're writing dialogue, does that flow freely or do you have to really stop and think, would this person say that? How would this person react? Let's talk about the, the art of writing dialogue. For me, it's one of the easier elements, and the reason why is I'm dealing with an investigation. At the start of my book, and I've done it with every one of them now, so it's the first book, ah, okay. Second book, you know, we might be in seeing a pattern here. By the time that I hit the third book, yeah, it's definitely a pattern. This is the way I write. When I start the book, I don't really know where it's going to end. I start with a basic premise. And I go from there. And it's like doing an investigation. When you get called out on an offense, I don't care whether it's a burglary, a homicide, or whatever, you're looking for certain basic facts. And you start with those dots. And then you start connecting them. 
And that's how you work your way through an investigation. You don't just all of a sudden walk out and say, oh, I know who the perpetrator was on this. It takes legwork to do that. And for me, that dialogue is coming from all those years of experience. I know what it is that they should be looking for and how you would be reacting to it and where you might be taking it to the next step. So the dialogue comes from connecting those dots. And for me, like I say, that's probably one of the easier elements of, of the books is simply because I know what an investigation requires. Mm-hmm. And that's, I apply those same techniques to it. Wow, this is so fascinating because even though you're not on the streets, you're still kind of immersed in that lifestyle in that you bring it to pen and paper. It was It's my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. This is what I know. I did it for, right. you know, close to, what, 27 years mm-hmm. as, as a police officer in different elements, in different categories that really brought me a broad base of experience. It's, mm-hmm. You know, I'm taken from patrol, I'm taken from tactics, I'm taken from accident investigation. I set up a scene in this book where I'm rolling an 18-wheeler. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm literally, I'm putting that sucker on its side and it's it's rolling, it's going. <laughs> <laughs> That's coming from my accident investigation, you know, knowing what, how that would occur and building in that realism Mm -hmm. to that particular scene. You're building a scene is literally from scene to scene to scene. And what elements do you need to bring it in to make it real for the reader, Mm -hmm. for them to see that realism? Hey, I can see this happening. (laughs) That's what I try to do. And that's where my background comes in. I get that. It's just the perfect and natural progression. And you talk about realism. A lot of folks, as they're writing, they do a lot of research and try to imagine what a scene might be. But for you, it's something you've lived, something you've seen, something that's a part of you. Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. And every one of my books has something of me in it that was based on actual experience. Mm So, you know, if I want to wreck a vehicle, it's not something I have to go research, right. find out mm, what would happen here. Yep. I know what would happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm able to apply that level of knowledge to add that realism. And from, like I say, a lot of the reviews on all of the books that I've gotten uh, have addressed that realism that I do bring to the story. Absolutely. I was just going to say that your reviews are outstanding where people can really feel that they're part of it because you are, because you have been. It's been a fun process. Yep. Let's talk about the cover art of your book. Ah, well, that has been an evolving process as well. The cover that you're seeing is not the one that I started out with. Um, I'm getting ready to put up a book trailer, still working on the design Uh, the graphics for that, and the original cover is going to be the very last image on that book trailer. But I ended up shifting and and going to this cover. There was a lot that that drew me to it. I love that turquoise green background with the the gold contrast. So I felt it worked a lot better than what the original one that I had designed would, would do. But graphics design is Boy, that's fun. I can sit for hours and tweak a design. 
Oh, absolutely. You could get so caught up in that and then just have so many choices. But you know, the cover is extremely important. They say don't judge a book by a cover or you do judge a book by a cover. I don't don't know what it is anymore. But as someone who is producing the cover, there's a lot that goes into that. And as you say, that could take forever. Yes. Uh, There's multiple layers in, in my covers. If I do take an image, I don't just put the image on the cover and then put a title on top of it, it's it's actually working and breaking maybe an image down into components and then working with those individual components. And and I didn't have as much of that in in this cover as what I did in Sentinels and Going Gone. Sentinels was a very complicated, Sentinels of the Night was a very complicated cover. I think I had something like 38 layers. Oh, my. uh, Of of text and image in that uh, because I deconstructed an image and then reconstructed it. So that's a lot of times what I'm doing with my covers. I'm actually taking an image and deconstruct it and then rearrange and reconstruct it to come up with, with what the final is. There's a lot of, a lot of detail work to the covers that I do. Very interesting. You know, you just, as you did accident reconstruction, where you take a scene, take it apart, put it back together. It's kind of what you're doing with your covers. How very astute of you. Yes, ma'am. That's exactly what I'm doing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Now, are you doing that on your own or do you have anyone else help you with that? How did you figure out how to do this? I've learned it on my own. Did you? I've taken, yeah, I've taken several courses in graphic design, I use a combination of, I guess, what, five different programs. The base design is in Microsoft Publisher, but I use Photoshop, I use GIMP, I use Paint, and, and I might use one of those programs for one element that I need to do something with. But Photoshop is what I took courses on, mm-hmm. how to learn to use Photoshop. It's a phenomenal program, and I've only scratched the surface of what that program is mm-hmm. capable of doing. The first cover I took, I needed to have a truck coming through this explosive scene, and I needed it like an illustration, and I was able to do that in Photoshop. I was able to age this truck. I just took a picture of a truck going down the highway, 18-wheeler, and deconstructed it and and made it into an illustration Mm -hmm. using the techniques of, of the software in Photoshop. It's just, like I say, a phenomenal program. Wow. But, um, yeah, I, I actually had to go back, <laughs> go back to school to learn how to do some of that. Oh, how exciting for you. Such a creative outlet as well. And so I'm going to encourage folks, if nothing else, to head over to your website and, and really study the covers of your books. Not only read them, but those covers are pretty intense. And I think we talked about this last time, but you offer services to help authors. You have Mystic Circle Book and Design. So if an author wants an interesting cover, such as you created for yourself, you do work with other authors? I do, yes. Somebody has a book that they want some help in getting published. Uh, I do the formatting. I've got two two right now that I'm doing for two authors. And, um, you know, it's doing all the formatting, setting it up so that it can be loaded to, you know, a distribution site like Amazon or Kindle, whatever. And then I also do the cover design that goes with that. And, and I provide them the files I can either upload or... You know, they can upload them, whatever their preference is. But, yes, I, I help. 
computer skills are are very important in all of this. And I I was fortunate that even prior to my police work, I worked for the Bell System for quite a number of years in their marketing division and was a marketing manager. And I also worked for Electronic Data Systems, EDS, and was in their computer division. So I acquired a good base of computer skills before I ever decided to, quote, cut the ties with the marketing world and become a cop. That carried forward even into the later years of the department because I was handling the the crash report system for the department and I was liaison for the department to Texas DOT or Texas Department of Transportation Mm, in their accident system. And uh, so those computer skills have come in handy. A lot of people don't have a lot of good computer skills to do this, and that's where I try to come in and to help them. Well, so many folks want to just write and to stop and learn all of these skills. That just takes on another life of its own. So if you can, oh, it does. yeah, if you yeah. could farm it out to somebody who is seriously qualified like yourself, it only makes good sense. And this way they could continue writing and you can get the book out in a proper format with an amazing amazing cover. And this is called Mystic Circle Books and Design? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Mm-hmm. And why don't we stop for a second? Your website, so folks could head over to there since we're talking about it. Yes, com. All right. That's easy enough. com. Now, before we hit the air, you and I had a little brief conversation and you were telling me that since the last we spoke, that you are now the fiction editor for an indie author magazine and you write a column called On the Hunt. So share... Please. Uh, this this has been a very fun project. Lots of good things. This is a new magazine that came out last year, Indie Authors Monthly Magazine. And what they do is they connect authors to readers. And they provide tips and information. They have guest columns and whatnot. And I have a regular column every month in the magazine. It's called On the Hunt. And I'm writing about things that are of interest to other indie authors, whether it's distribution or cover design, who owns the book. This is a big issue for indie authors. You think you own the copyright, but do you actually own the published book? So it's it's articles that deal with every aspect, the publishing side. But it's uh, it's been a fun project. We are doing some good things for a lot of people. And last year we did a contest even for the independent bookstore of the year. Mm. We got a very good response on that. So, yeah, this has been a, another fun job I've added in to what <laughs> I'm already doing, and that's working with the magazine and my column, and my column's also on my website. So those same articles that I'm publishing in the magazine are, are available and can be viewed on my website as well. Right. I saw that on your website. Um, when you just mentioned who owns what, what about ISBN numbers? So many times you see a company offering, you can use their ISBN number. So does that mean that the author owns it or does the no. whoever's provide? Okay. Talk about that for yes. a second. <laughs> there are three elements to your book that an author needs to be aware of their, their rights. One, of course, is the content, the copyright. And, you know, that's fairly well established within the legal environment. But there's also two other components. One is, do you own the copyright to the cover? And do you own the distribution rights, which is controlled by the ISBN? 
whoever provides that ISBN owns your distribution rights, and they are the only ones that are authorized to distribute it. So if you are working with a company that provides that ISBN, they are going to be listed as the publisher of record on your book. And you cannot take that book and go to another distributor or go anywhere else with it. The only place it can be distributed is through that company. So it's something that authors need to be aware of when they are getting ready to publish. Do I want to buy my own ISBN or do I want to accept this free one? And pros and cons. And that's what an author needs to be aware of so that they can make an intelligent decision. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I often see that where it sounds great, oh, you'll get your own ISBN number. And somewhere there should be somewhat of a disclosure or disclaimer just to say, hey, and here are the ramifications. But I guess it's buyer beware, right? Yes. (laughs) Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. There's, There's a lot of landmines when you start publishing your own books Mm -hmm. and it's, it does require some research by an author so that they can avoid some of those landmines. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, if they are multiple books, they've learned through the process what works and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. I know I did. I learned from that first book that I published. I, it was not one I did. I went through a company that published it. And while they did a very good job of it, I don't own or control anything with that book. I can't change the price. I can't offer it for sale. I mean, I can't, you know, I'm locked in Mm -hmm. to that publishing company. They own the distribution rights and they own the cover rights. All I own is the copyright. And I soon found in that process there wasn't anything that company did that I couldn't do myself, Mm -hmm. which is what launched me into what I'm doing now. Yep. Yep. Yes, yes, you have to learn from experience. And so hopefully folks listening to this will have picked up a little hint or two. And that's why I think it might be helpful for them to uh, check you out and work with you. Makes good sense to me. All righty. Well, we've covered quite a bit today, not only your books, but you've offered some valuable tips and tools. Is there anything we missed, though, that you wanted to uh, bring up today? Oh, I can't think of anything (laughs) other than You know, anybody that out there that is thinking about writing a book, do it. It's fun. It really is fun. And it can add so much. It's going to add frustration, but it's fun. It it really is. It is fun. And we could tell that you're having a fun time. And and in a year's time, you've accomplished quite a bit. And any new books on the horizon? No, right now it's just getting AU79 launched. Um, oh, I should say one thing. I did win a couple of awards. That was on my list to ask. Yes, share. Yes, I did. I almost forgot about that. So that was exciting. And I'm hoping to see what will happen with AU79 and, and where that one goes. But one of the issues of writing is when you're as heavily involved in the publishing side, it kind of cuts down on your time for writing. So. Uh, that does become an issue, but yeah, I, I have two books that I want to write, just haven't decided which one I'm going to go with, whether it'll be another tracker novel or whether I'm going to completely deviate away from the tracker and go back to my short story, that first 500-word story, and make it into a full, full-length full book, so we'll see. That one was titled Not Dead, Not Dead, I so we'll see what happens with that one. 
There's another good title, Not Dead, Not Dead. Oh my gosh, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> this is so fun. I could talk to you forever. It's so much, so much good information. And I could just tell how passionate you are about what you've done and what you're doing. It's just an inspiration. All right, so we talked about your website, anitadickason.com, A-N-I-T-A-D-I-C-K-A-S-O-N anitadickison.com anywhere else to find anything more about you or purchase your books or is that the best place you can purchase them off of my website yes I have buy buttons for all of the books that will take you to the appropriate links uh, right now the ebook is only available through Kindle I'm going to probably leave it through there for a while to take advantage of some of their promotional programs and then down the line I'll do the full distribution but the paperback is out and uh, the hardback will be available probably by the end of the month. I'm waiting for the proof book to come in on the on the hardback version, which is something else that I do. I not only do the ebooks, I do the paperback, but I also do hardbacks as well. Excellent. I encourage everyone to head over to your website and check you out, anitadickison.com. The first of the books, JFK Assassination Eyewitness, Rush to Conspiracy, The Real Facts of Lee Bauer's Death, Sentinels of the Night, going gone and now AU79. So much to find out from AnitaDickison.com. Anita, you are a blast. I just love having you on the show with me and we'll have to do this again. Yes, I would love to. 